Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul and my co-host Justin Baker. Uh, we are going to be talking everything that there is to do with the licking incident, of course. You know, that has to be our focus is on licking today here in uh, Overtime Hockey Talk. Uh, also, we'll, of course, spend most of our time talking Pittsburgh, Washington, as well as Nashville Predators and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we are recording this on Sunday at about... 3 p.m. So uh, we're just going to leave the other two series alone, and you'll hear more about that uh, on our next show. So uh, let's first just get the the tongue out of the way. And, oh, thank goodness. Uh, aside from he should have been suspended to begin with, I think. Like, I just... I think he should have been suspended now that this is the second time. It is like, it's laughable to me that the NHL is now just saying, well, yeah, if you do it again, then there's going to be a problem. It's it's laughable that it's gotten to the point where the NHL has to get involved. That You think after the first time, right, that uh, Bruce Cassidy wouldn't have been like, hey, cut that stuff out. Like, you're embarrassing us. We're losing games here, and you're acting like an idiot. Yes, like, and, and it's especially the fact that they've been losing games that's yeah I, I mean if you're up three nothing in the series okay but uh, no not even okay it's not okay it's never okay <laughs> but adding distractions is just it's it's dumb it's it dumb. really is plus it's disgusting i i can't remember who it was that said i mean he's basically spitting in a guy's face i mean there there is very little difference in fact i would argue that it's worse like I don't know. I've been I've been talking to someone before, and they accidentally spit in my face. And I will oh. tell you that that is uh, not on par with somebody getting so close that they actually lick my face. Uh, those two things are are very different. I do remember uh, guys in the ninth grade, a history class that I had, and they decided that they would have a challenge that they would you know say, all right, you have to lick this, and these guys would go up and like somebody would lick the chalkboard in front of the teacher and just like see what the reaction was of people and uh, that's what it reminded me of so antics of the ninth grade is what brad marchand has <laughs> has brought to light but uh, and on a further note too i mean okay you and i both played hockey and i'm sure a lot of our listeners play hockey at some point maybe just for fun you know um you get a little sweaty i mean why does he want to why does he want that salty yeah i just I'm sorry. I just yeah. I mean, there's sodium in the in the Gatorade or Powerade. I'm sure that you know they they slug down. So I, <laughs> maybe he's just not getting enough. You know, he's just craving that sodium and just needs. But he could lick his own arm. You would think, or at That's, least a yeah. team, or at least a teammates. You know, why is he not like listen, David? Uh, I'm I'm gonna need your arm right now. I need your neck. <laughs> I just, it's just, it's so I need your it's neck. so strange. It's so strange. Uh, I don't expect him to do it again, but but if the Bruins, okay, here's the question: the Bruins are down by three plus goals in an elimination game. Does he try licking someone else just to be like, what are you gonna do? Suspend me for next season? They'll yeah, just find him. Uh... And at this point, like, is it just gonna kind of be a? Uh, like screw you kind of thing. Yeah, I think if uh, third period they're they're down a few goals and there's really it's like okay it's it's over. It would not shock me one bit if he goes out and tries to lick someone's face. Perfect. Uh, okay, let's move on to 
better matters. Uh, <laughs> so last night, the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think, kept control of Game Five, and yet lose six three. I mean, it was it was a one goal game, two empty net goals. Uh, don't let the six the three goal margin skew what actually happened in this game. The Penguins had control, and every time the Capitals had an opportunity, they seemed to score and capitalize. Yeah, I would. Uh... I would not disagree with you on that one. I I love the fact that, you know, on that game-winning goal, typically you would expect a guy like Ovechkin to be the scorer and not the disher, which to me just was like icing on the cake. I loved watching it. It was fantastic just to see him make it just a a nice little pass. And granted, it did get deflected, but uh, still to be able to not take the shot and recognize that he's got a trailer coming back and, and leave it for him, I mean, that was fantastic. It's good to see Ovechkin smile, and I mean, and now I think if if my memory serves me right, I believe the Capitals have been up three two in a series against the Penguins before. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, in all honesty, I think that the game where like Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin both had a hat trick, I think that was a game six that tied the series to go to seven games that the Penguins won. I'm, I'm pretty pretty confident in that fact, but that was just kind of pulled off the top of my head. I have not done the, the research on that. But uh, I know Sidney Crosby is starting to creep higher and higher on the all-time Penguins scoring list, which, uh, you know, normally one single team scoring list in the playoffs isn't uh, isn't that big of a deal, but I mean, he did he did just pass Brian Trache and Nicholas Lidstrom to move into eleventh place all time. So wow. there, there is that too. Uh, he's second place now behind Mario Lemieux. He just passed Yager when he scored in Game Five. So okay, in some uh, I mean, he's 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 gonna catch Lemieux. <laughs> it's gonna happen, and <laughs> I mean, this it's it's crazy, but. I mean, the next the next goal that he has is eighth place, and that's 188 points. He's 184 right now. So, yes, they may get eliminated in these playoffs, but Sidney Crosby is slowly creeping to the top of everyone's playoff uh, playoff point record, which uh, I'd have to look up. I'm sure it's Gretzky. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's 200 and something points. But uh, where does I mean, in terms of just playoff performers, where does Sidney Crosby rank for you? I know this is an out-of-the-box question, uh, but where where would you put Sidney Crosby in terms of all-time playoff performers? Wow. Um, I mean, easily top five for me just because of the level of consistency I see out of him every single year. Um, you know, most guys... Every you know, even the great players every once in a while have a down year in the playoffs. But it seems like every year the Penguins are in it. Crosby is right up there at the top of the points in terms of the NHL. Yes. Uh, so Crosby right now with 184 points, he is tied for 11th. Gretzky, I I sold Gretzky a little short. He has 382 playoff points. A little short. <laughs> uh, the next highest is of course Mark Messier with 295. Yari Curry with 233, Glenn Anderson at 214, Yermir Yager all time, not just with the Penguins, at 201. So those are the five players with more than 200 playoff points. You got to think that over the next 
six or seven seasons, Crosby will find a way to get 17 points in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see that being a problem. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's that's some good company to to be grouped, you know, bunched in with there with with Iserman, Hall, Coffee, Yager. It's pretty impressive. Here's the the crazy thing is that so the the next highest active player is Evgeny Malkin. Big surprise. He has mm-hmm. 165 playoff points. Next highest after that is Patrick Marlowe with 125. So there's wow. there's very few active players with a lot of playoff points. Then you've got Kane and Thornton, Zetterberg, Getzlaff, all with around 120. Um, Taves with 110, Ovechkin with 104. So that's the only guys in the top 100 all time. Now I know that there's there's a lot of players from the 80s in in that span because of how high scoring was. But it just it, it goes to show you that the same, of course the same players aren't necessarily getting back there, although at the same time they kind of are with Cros- with Chicago and Pittsburgh being up up there so high. Uh, it's surprising to me that there's no L.A. King even close, but I guess they really weren't scoring a whole no. lot. <laughs> yeah, not, not a ton. Uh, it's, it's funny to me that um, out of all active players, Patrick Marlowe leads the way with 72 goals right now too. Ah, oh yeah, all time in goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got eight more to go and he'll he'll crack the top ten and crack eighty, of course. Uh passing Jean Velibo, which will be pretty nice for him. There you go. So and playing with Toronto, I think he's uh he's more than capable of doing that. Yeah, I mean he's gonna get at least two more well, it looks like two more cracks at it. That's how many years is uh left on his his deal there in Toronto. Uh, speaking of Toronto, apparently Mike Babcock and Austin Matthews are going to have a meeting, and they're going to talk about uh, perhaps the riff that happened during the playoffs. And all of that, of course, is speculative. Nobody actually knows. They just know that there's going to be... Uh, Babcock is going to fly to Arizona to meet with Austin Matthews. Oh boy. I, I remember Nick Kiprios, the Sportsnet guy, was had tweeted out that there was or he maybe he said it that there was a riff between the two players and that they were having an issue and uh brian, i think it was brian burke he i don't know if you saw actually this is good side note brian mm-hmm. burke is now on hockey central at noon and really? and working working with Sportsnet, and he's amazing he like the anecdotes that he brings are are fantastic and he just has so much knowledge and history in the game uh it's really fun to listen to him talk uh but he was talking about how it there's mike babcock i mean most great coaches are going to push you further than you want to be pushed in the moment sometimes and that's uh-huh. going to create some tension but that tension isn't lo- like it's not oh there's so much tension that one of these player guys are going to have to go it's it's not that kind of tension i think that my guess is Mike Babcock goes, I'm going to go down to Arizona and we're going to talk about the season, how he felt. I mean, he's my best player and he's the guy who, who knows, maybe he's going down there to go, you know what? Uh, I want you to be the captain of this team, but I need to see something. I need to like, I need you to go into the summer and work on X, Y, and Z and come back and we're going to name you the captain of this team 
uh, you know, maybe that's that's the conversation. Or I want you to take more of a leadership role in this team. I see you as the captain. Here's where I see you going. Let's let's go here. Like that that to me is more likely than Austin. I'm really sorry. Okay, I'm sorry for pushing <laughs> you too hard. Like, give me give me a break. They they're fine. It's uh, it's hockey. Of course, a head coach is gonna get get on a guy, especially because Matthews. Well, he had a couple good games. He was a shadow for much of the Boston series. Yeah, and I, I think coaches like Babcock too. Like they, pr- I mean, while it might matter just a, a little bit, they generally don't really care what the players think of them because they're not there to make friends. Let's be honest. Well, and let's be honest: when you're winning, you're all friends, right? Exactly. right? If, you, if you win the cup, you love your coach, and when you uh, don't, suddenly your coach is an asshole. So. Right. I mean, that's just, it just kind of is what it is. And that's, uh, you know, that's the world that we live in. When you, when you succeed, it's great. And when you don't, eh, I could get another guy and let's see if we can succeed with another guy. But, um, thoughts from Holtby and Murray. I, I love getting your take on the goaltenders. Uh, and obviously, I mean, Holtby played well. Murray, maybe not so much. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of the goaltending in this series? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know if there's, in this series anyways, that there's necessarily anything that the goaltender's doing more right or wrong than the other one. I think there's just more breakdowns um, when it comes to coverages and the way, um, you know, for instance, last night, we that game-winning goal, um, you know, Dumoulin is down pinching when probably he shouldn't have. Capitals come back and, you know, take advantage of the, the two-on-two back the other way. And, you know, of course, uh, I can't remember who it was that said on uh, last night when I was watching M- NBC, they were saying, you know, they could hear the forwards on the bench for Washington screaming out forward, forward, as in, you know, Ovechkin's got a forward on him and not a defender. So you played a little differently, and then that, that leads to mismatches. And I think, you know, Matt Murray's been fine. Um, I don't really have a big problem with the way he's playing goal. I don't think there's anything he's doing wrong. I just think it's more or less the coverages and, and what's happening in front of him is causing a lot of these opportunities to, to rear their head for the Capitals. And they're taking advantage of it because, like you said, um, you know, when we were, we were chatting about this, that Pittsburgh has pretty much controlled, you know, controlled the, that last game. And I would say a majority of the series, you know, the puck possession numbers are probably in their favor. Yeah, I, I do think that Murray has overcommitted on a couple goals. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember which goal it was where he uh, he ended up almost partially behind the net, and then the puck came back out front. And, and sure. that's was that Kuznetsov's goal? The uh, the goal to tie it, I think. Yeah, uh, I think it was. Yeah, and I I just thought, wow, you, I mean, he just bit hard, and uh, and was partially behind the net. What are you going to do? I mean, there's just no reason to put yourself out of position that badly. Uh, right. So it's just, yeah, I, 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 you're right. Murray has not played bad. I would say that Murray has not, and, and this is true for the entire playoffs thus far. Murray has not stolen them a game. E- even though he, he did have a shutout in game one against mm-hmm. the Flyers, he didn't steal that game. I think they won 5 nothing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I would not disagree with you one bit. I, I think Holpe has stolen some games, especially in that Columbus series when he came in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you look at this series in general, Murray has just been playing average. And they need him to not necessarily steal a game here in one of these last two if they can push it to seven, but they need him to play like he's, like he could steal them one. 
Yeah, and I mean, when you look at Holtby, aside from the first goal, which did go through him, uh, I, I'd say, I mean, the other two were power play goals. And I mean, in Hornquist's goal, that puck was, I think there was maybe four or five whacks at that puck before it went in. Right. At some point, you got to go, all right, I know there's only four guys on the ice and to the Penguins five, but somebody's got to be getting in front of those whacks. And I mean, of course, that's what Hornquist has built his entire career around is creating space for himself in front of the net and being able to take those whacks. I mean, it's, it's Holmstrom, Cicerelli, Holmstrom, or uh, yeah, Hornquist. Yep. I mean, those are uh, all very similar type of players in different eras, and that's that's what he's done. But if you look at five on five, what the Capitals were able to do in that game, they they were able to capitalize, and uh, and the the Penguins looked like well they had control of the puck I hope he didn't have to make many just mind-blowing saves it was just yeah the penguins had control but the capitals actually were able to create plays to put themselves in high scoring opportunity high high percentage scoring opportunity so I, I just think even though the penguins or the caps are being outshot, that they're actually doing a better job at putting themselves into the position to score, five on five. Oh yeah, absolutely. I there were there were a couple times in that game last night where I watched Crosby tag the puck down, and you can see him almost creating space to where he's going to create one of those mind-boggling plays where the goaltender is going to have to make a fantastic save. But then along comes Washington's defense and sort of shuts it down, and guys come and back check a little bit and you know shut things off. I think there was uh, towards the end of the game there was a nice little three on two happening, and you could see something happening. And then out of nowhere, uh, Washington Capital forward comes back and back check steals the puck, and it's going back the other way. And I, I, I just don't see that same stuff going on in front of Murray from Pittsburgh's forwards and defenders and, you know, outside of their star players like Crosby and Malkin creating chances. You know, nobody else is really, you know, playing that two-way game to stop the Capitals from getting those big chances five-on-five. Five. Yeah, I think it was like 40-something percent of Pittsburgh's goals were either from Crosby or Getzel. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody's got to figure it out. Kessel, Kessel did – now, Crosby's goal, I mean, he accidentally deflected it. Right. And it was really a Kessel shot on the power play. Uh, but Kessel's got to be producing something five-on-five. Five. Uh, you know, everybody, oh, good, Kessel's finally getting it going. Well, he shot the puck on the power play and got lucky it went in. Uh, I wouldn't quite call that getting going, but it at least maybe helps his morale a little bit. But I, I really have – yet to see much from Phil Kessel, whereas he was, I mean, in the last couple of years in the playoffs, he was a machine. I, th- I think he had, what, 18, 19 points in the couple playoff years in a row. He was one of their better players, and he really has been very average, especially, you know, thinking Phil Kessel, looking at a guy who you're almost expecting in a long playoff run, he's going to have 10 to 12 goals over the course of a 25-ish game run if you were to go all the way to the finals. Yeah, and it wouldn't shock me either to see, um, you know, them stack the lines up a little bit here because Kessel's been playing a majority of the series with either Riley Shahan or a little bit with Derek Broussard. And, you know, I mean, last playoff, you know, we, we did have a little bit of, uh, you know, Kessel on the third line, but we saw him a lot of times with Malkin too, and it wouldn't shock me to see if you see Phil Kessel move up a little bit to play with Malkin more in the game six here, just because uh, it's desperation time. And, you know, you got to do something to get Kessel going if you want to, if you want to win. And, uh, you know, Kessel needs a good 
you know, uh, playmaker, and I, I don't think Shahan's it. So we'll see. Yeah, Kessel with one goal these playoffs. Uh, also, Broussard with one goal. At least Kessel has his eight assists. I mean, Broussard has three assists. That's, I mean, you you traded a first-round pick to bring in Derek Broussard, and he has really been quite invisible. And and mind you, his one goal was on the power play. So right. he is two points five on five in 11 games in the playoffs. Yeah, not good enough for a first-rounder. No, sure. especially because he gets <laughs> to play behind Crosby, and I know sometimes he was playing second pivot because Malkin was out for a little bit, but mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, he's playing on he's playing in the third line. And so the guys that he's matching up against seemingly shouldn't be as challenging to play against. Uh, you know, he's not going out and playing up against Ovechkin all the time. Uh, so yeah. it it's very strange to me. I, you know, you never know. Maybe a guy's hurt or uh, or whatnot. But yeah, I, I it's uh, it's unfortunate because you you know you like when guys who are acquired for first round picks and movement at the deadline creates something for your team uh i i only i think that it can be kind of bad the next year when guys go well see they traded for him he didn't do anything they traded for him he didn't really do anything although i guess you can go on the flip side and you can look at uh evander kane and he's actually played quite well mm-hmm. for the blues uh sharks or, yeah sorry the sharks four <laughs> goals in eight games that's that's fine that's that's exactly i mean you don't bring him in to to pick up a ton of points but he as long as he's getting a goal every other game that's about i think what you can expect from evander kane uh but let's shift gears let's go to that winnipeg nashville series unless there's anything you want to add about the penguins and capitals who's no i who do you think's gonna win game six um i think this game goes to seven honestly i don't i think this this series they've all been very very close games and it, to me, again, this is another game where I think it's going to be pushed to the last minute. And I think Penguins just, you know, being the, the champs they are, I, I don't think they, uh, I, I don't think they falter in Game Six. So we, we go back to Washington. All right, I sure hope so. Because yeah. Game Game Seven between these two teams again, uh, ridiculous. Although I will admit, man, there's just I I want Ovechkin to win. There's something in me that wants him to win. Uh, and I, unfortunately, I don't think that they could get past the Lightning, assuming that the Lightning win. I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see them losing to either of these teams, frankly. Well, I think, uh, I think more than anything else, and one thing we, we haven't really discussed yet today, um, you know, especially say Washington does get past the Penguins here in six or seven, the health of Nicholas Backstrom is going to, I mean, really... Uh, determine how well you know Washington's able to perform against Tampa because if he's not healthy or ready to go against Tampa, forget it, they're done. Yeah, especially since Tampa really has managed to stay relatively healthy in these playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, I, which is surprising against a team like Boston. You'd think that at least you'd go through a series with Boston and you would leave with some some casualties, right? But okay, let's uh, let's skip over to Winnipeg and Nashville. Uh, obviously. Game four, Pecorine played out of his mind and had had quite the game four, only to go into game six or game five, excuse me, and uh, the six goal second period, five two at the era, four two at the end of the second, and then of course two more in the third to end Rene's night. So, 
Yeah. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets up 3-2 in this series, and they dominated in every way in this game. Yeah, I, I don't think it's any shock when we see six goals on the score sheet for Winnipeg. I think everybody knew going into the series they were a high-scoring team. Uh, the shocking part is, is for all the scoring Winnipeg had on the opposite end, you know, Nashville's supposed to be this great defensive team, and outside of game four that Renee stole for them, he's just he's looked mediocre. The team's been giving up a lot of good chances and a lot of um, – you know, a lot of poor defensive plays that have just led to these these type of goal-scoring opportunities. Yeah, and Winnipeg's speed mixed with their size has just been too much. Uh, and, man, they just have this unique ability to move the puck around, too. Uh, I would say that if there's, you know, if the, if the Penguins, you look at, like, a Penguins power play and you see the way that they, there's there's really no time that the puck is on a guy's stick when they're really rolling. I mean, they just cycle, 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 bounce back between two guys, and they they create opportunities because the puck's only on a guy's stick for a split second. And I think that you see that with Winnipeg, but also five on five. I mean, Winnipeg can move the puck around, and there's just so much skill all throughout their lineup that you don't know who's going to do it. Uh, I mean, Kyle Connor. Finally, he scores two goals in this game. That's his first two goals of the playoffs. So, yeah, that's. I mean, we've gotten shocking. this far without a guy who scored over 30 goals in the regular season finally scoring his first two goals of the playoffs. And, I mean, Bufflin's been fantastic. I think it's shocked that, I mean, Bufflin, to me, has been the best defenseman in this series. Uh, yeah, I would not disagree with that at all, which is, and guys like, Jacob Truba have just stepped up and looked better than I thought they were going to play. And it's uh, it's kind of shocking when you look at the other end when you have Yossi, PK, uh, Ellis, and you don't really hear their names as much as you hear guys like Bufflin and Truba being mentioned. That's Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that it just – what it's showing is I think the Jets' forwards are being honed in on so tightly, and it's really creating a lot of space – for Bufflin, for Truba, for like a Tyler Myers to be able to transition the puck up and and even dump it in because they have so much have so much size too. It's the speed, size, and and talent mixture of their forward group is maybe some of the best that we've we've seen in the salary cap era. Now, yeah, that's a great whether, point. Whether that results in a Stanley Cup win or you know even even making it out of this round i mean i am not going to count nashville out of this at all i mean i think that picarene has proven that he can steal games he's done it in the past and he's done it in these playoffs he's done it in this series so we're probably going to need a pretty darn good game out of picarene but i mean it's it's all going to come down to can the nashville predators respond can kyle turris get it going because he's been mm-hmm. pretty pedestrian can you know, I mean, Ryan Johansson scored and scored shorthanded, uh, which was great. But I mean, at that point, it's five one. So okay, take your you, know, you take right. it. But it was five one. The game was practically over. Uh, Philip Forsberg really hasn't been anything either, I and mean, that that top line has just gotten completely overshadowed. Yeah, I do not disagree with you at all. I think uh, another name I don't hear anywhere, Benino's name, Mike Fisher's name. Uh, I mean, these guys that are supposed to provide depth scoring and uh, playmaking ability, nothing. 
it's it's been quiet on the forward front. Yeah, and when your depth scores are nowhere near as good as the other team's forwards because the other team's third line is almost as talented as your first, right. it's pretty tough. Now, the whole equalizing factor in this is supposed to be Yossi, Subban, uh, Ryan Ellis, Ekholm. It's supposed to be these guys being able to play tons of minutes and shutting everything down in their own zone. But I, I would say that P.K. Subban has done his job. P.K. Subban has been very good. It's not that Yossi's played bad. It's just that the supporting cast uh, of forwards really has have not provided much on in terms of offense. Uh, so uh, yeah, I just I think that the Predators need to take a a look at what they're doing, and there's got to be a more concerted effort to to shut them down, but also to use. I I think that they need to maybe be a little bit more physical with this team. I think some of it is, okay, Winnipeg's big. We can't match them physically, so we're not going to play that game, and we're going to try and, and you know work the speed game. The problem is is that it's, just, it's not working because Winnipeg is just as fast. They're just bigger. So you might as well just go, well, you know what? Even if a littler guy hits a big guy, it still slows down the big guy. You can still hurt a bigger guy. And you know, and when I say hurt, I don't mean injure, but I, I do mean you know, throw like get some bruises going, make things hard on a guy. And I think that's just something that Nashville really doesn't do. I, I don't know if they're even capable outside of PK Subban to do something like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. I think um, I think some physicality wouldn't hurt, and I think at this point in the game, you really don't have anything to lose. So might as well just go go put it out there and see if you can't you know change the pace of the game a little bit because like you said they got the speed to go with the physicality so maybe if you can slow them down that way it might allow some opportunities for some of your playmakers to, to get their opportunities. Yeah, and we have not even talked about Connor Hellebuck because no. I mean the Predators can do all they want. Connor Hellebuck has outplayed Pekka Rinne in this series, and generally that is the difference. Like, which goal oh, is yeah. going to play better? That's probably the team that's going to win. Absolutely. And, I mean, uh, you look at, you know, coming into the series, everybody, you know, talked about how Rene was was ready to steal uh, to steal some playoff games here. Connor Halbuck was the rookie, you know, the guy with no experience. You know, Rene had the edge in this one. And clearly it's looked like Halbuck's been, been the better. Well, obviously it is. He's been the better goaltender. And he does not look like he's phased at all. He looks calm, collected, and I don't see him making, you know, just these crazy saves because he's just, he's so panicked and desperate, you know. He looks just, he looks steady. I love it. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I I will be honest. I will tell, I will say that it was years ago that you were talking about Connor Hellebuck and how excited you were uh, were about (laughs) Connor. I mean, we're talking like 2014 probably is when you were talking about Connor Hellebuck. And so, I, I I mean, that to me, I, I love seeing, you know, you follow a guy his whole career and he ends up at this point where his team's on the brink of the Western Conference Finals and seemingly they would be the favorites headed into that conference final, whoever they end up playing, whether it's San Jose or Vegas. So, I yeah, I just I think that that's, that's cool and it speaks to your ability to, to look at a goalie and go, yes, yes, he's he's got something special. Uh, mm-hmm. Which it is hard to tell 
when a goalie is going to be something special because goalies can look great at one level and and then awful at the next or they can look pretty meh at one level and then go like in juniors they can look like an average goalie and then they go into the ahl they look a little better and they go into the pros and they're better than they've ever been so it can be very difficult to actually quantify how good a goaltender is going to be so kudos to you for seeing something in connor hellbuck <laughs> long time ago and uh so i i just i think that's something worth worth mentioning uh, well thank you sir i uh it's funny there, there was another u of m goaltender uh, a few years earlier that i touted as being like the next big thing too um al montoya although he hasn't been terrible um i figured he was gonna eventually supplant uh lundquist or when he got traded to la even out there too and that that never that never happened so in fairness he did become a, a national hockey league goalie so yes he did yes. i mean and, and he's a pretty good backup I would say he's one of the one of the better backups throughout the league. So you yeah. weren't uh, you weren't wrong about him being good. You know, <laughs> he just wasn't as good as say a long fist, which is which is pretty hard to hard to do. Uh, yeah. Anything else that you want to hit on this Jet series? I do want I want to get your prediction for Game Six and if there will be a Game Seven. Who wins that Game Seven? Uh, yes, I think going back to Winnipeg, I. I as much as I hate to say it, I think this one's over with. Um, Winnipeg is, has lo- only lost one game at home it's, uh, this whole entire playoffs. And and I think they won. had won 13 straight at home before that. Right. And Something I like just, that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see Nashville showing. Their forwards have not shown me that they can they can show up on a consistent basis. And Pecorine, again, speaking of consistency, has not shown me that he's going he's gonna to be a rock and net for them. Um, now he is capable of going in there, putting up a forty-save uh, game to give them an opportunity to to steal a game. And uh, for Nashville's sake, I hope he does because, just like the Washington Pittsburgh series, this is another one where I think seven games would be great. I mean, I would love both these teams to play a best of fifteen series. If I'm being honest, so <laughs> the best of fifteen, the first to uh, what would that be? The first to eight. Yes, first to eight. The yep. first to eight. Uh, well. I I do think that there's something left in the tank for the Predators. Uh, I think that I think they're going to win Game Six, and we're going to go back for a Game Seven. I at least think Game Six will be close. I, I don't think that it's we're looking at a six-two. Uh, if anything, if the Predators are going to win, I will say this: that the Predators must start early. They need a good first period. They need to be up after the first because their game. They play. They, I mean, what team doesn't play better with the lead? I, most, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that the Predators' system is really based around being within at least striking distance. You know, once you get behind so far, it's. I mean, any team, it's difficult to to come roaring back. But a team that, especially where you're outmatched forward wise and you're really focused defensively, I, I think that it's so crucial that you get the lead. And allow your big guns on the back end to take over a game, and that's the only way you can do it. Otherwise, those guys are looking for stretch passes, and they're they're trying to go outside of themselves for for offense, and that clearly has not worked for the Preds. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, that is our show. We will be back tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll talk all about the other two series of Boston, Tampa Bay, along with Vegas and San Jose. And any news coming out uh, from trade rumors, I know we'll, we'll hit on some 
uh, patch ready next time where he may end up, whether it's Florida or St. Louis or an, another team. Uh, we'll, I guess we'll find out if there's any more licking and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, you know, we'll, we can, I mean, world championship, the U S did beat Canada in a shootout. So yeah, that was, that was a, that was a good game. A very and, good game. And then it's crazy that, you know, the world championships are so funny because Canada goes from playing the U S to playing Korea. <laughs> quite the quite the drastic adjustment <laughs> uh canada won 10 nothing against korea uh no surprise there so yeah uh yep well anyways that is our show uh you can tweet at us at ot hockey talk we'd love to chat with you and we will be back tomorrow for more hockey coverage at overtime hockey talk thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon